Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. Okay, our guest today is an architect and an interior designer, and his firm does it all from architecture, interior design, and even product design. His work has been featured in Architectural Digest, El Decor, The New York Times, Vanity Fair, and many others. And he also has product lines with Visual Comfort, Stark Carpet several other companies as well. And he was also recently featured in Rizzoli's best-selling book, Interior Design Class, 100 Lessons from America's Finest Designers on the Art of Decoration. Barry Goralnik, thank you so much for joining us. We're happy to have you. Well, thank you for inviting me. That's certainly an impressive resume. Barry, why architect and interior designer? What's the upside there? Um, Well, I went to school to, I got a master's in architecture and I love color. And when I first started working for firms in New York, there was always an interiors component to our projects. We did a fashion showroom or a house. And we did, uh, we worked for Donna Karen and Bill Blass. So I got to work with all these great people. And I was the one in the office who always wanted to work on color and texture and lighting. And it, at the time, it gave me a chance to get out of the office and go to the D&D building and <laughs> roam around and spend other people's money. So that, that was very good. <laughs> Always fun. And then there were a couple of occasions when we designed projects and there was another interior designer involved. And they, we didn't necessarily have the same vision. So when I started my own firm, I wanted to do both. And then <laughs> we kept designing custom pieces for our clients, you know, furniture and seating and everything. And at some point, I started designing them and marketing them. I've heard that more than once from architects, um, that they just were sick of designers ruining their spaces. <laughs> really I, don't wanted to, to, I don't want to get designers. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, they, they weren't doing the vision that the architect had envisioned. You know what I'm saying? Like, wasn't carrying through the way that they were hoping for, I guess. You know, the other thing is if I'm looking at projects in magazines, I always give all the designers the benefit of the doubt because there's so many times when the client can also get in the middle and sure. not let you mm-hmm. do what you want. So I never judge. So do you do projects with other designers as well? Yeah. Sometimes we're the architect on a project and sometimes we're the interior designer. And I love collaborating with other people. Often it ends up being friends of mine, something we've always wanted to do. So yeah, if it works, it's fantastic. Yeah, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it. yeah, it, I feel like it, the vision is really what could create the issue. But if you, you know, because you clearly have such a strong one for the, for the inside, I imagine maybe there are architects who are really more focused on the structure and they're not as interested in the um, interior. So the final layer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we do hear that a lot um, about, you know, having, if you are building or doing a large scale renovation, having your team in place and making sure that they're, 
you know, vision and their language is all connecting and they're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, it, and if you're going to have two different parties, it's really important that everyone starts out at the onset. Because, you know, I want to put a sofa there, but there's an air conditioning grill or, or I want to do a certain window treatment, but I, I don't have the width. So if right. everyone is there together from the beginning, that's when you get the best project. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed looking through your portfolio. I felt like there was such a vast um, array of styles. And, you know, there were some really traditional ones. There were also some very like swanky sort of madmen, you know, mid-century kind of feels. Um, and I was wondering, you know, I imagine a lot of it's driven by um, by your client's taste and what they're looking for. But what is your sort of, what would you say your style is? How would you characterize the things that you're drawn to? I, I, I think if you look at my background, I, I started off, um, I have a degree in fine art and literature. So I and I've also produced theaters. I have a lot of different interests. And I went to school at the beginning of postmodernism, which was really exciting to me because we got to use historical elements sort of in a cut and paste way. And, and that, you know, all kinds of color that, you know, we'd been coming out of the, the modern age where everything was white. And it's such a relief to use great color. And I worked for Robert Stern, and I learned how to design classical houses. So I have this background in the classical. And I feel like the same principles, if you look at my work, the same principles kind of go across all of it, whether it's modern or, or mid-century. You know, it's a certain sense of scale and proportion and the way I put things together. So I think that's what ties it together more than, you know, is that a mid-century chair or a chair with a skirt? You know, it's, there's a certain consistency to the way I approach things. And, and part of the reason there's a variety is because all my clients are really different. You know, I have people in Manhattan. We've done things in France or Maine or Martha's Vineyard. So every location is different. Every client is different. Every, the way they live is different. And what they are drawn to, which you need to get from the very outset. And, um, you know, then it, things kind of evolve. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that I really loved was, and this just stood out to me for some reason, there were so many great built-ins in your projects. Mm -hmm. And they're, I mean, they were not your standard bookcase flanking a fireplace, you know, just for decorative purposes. There were some that were, you know, they were intricately detailed, interesting shapes, combining multiple different wood types, and they looked very driven by function. So I'm wondering, like, when do you kind of go to a built-in and what are your favorite ways to kind of shake it up than what people are used to seeing? Well, first of all, use the word function. It starts with, you know, what do you need to store and get out of sight? You know, if it's really modern, you may not want to see anything Mm -hmm. at all. Everything should be hidden. And either whatever it is, whatever room it is, you know, do you need, is it, are you putting toys away? Are you, are you, you know, we've had clients who collect uh, rare books and even rare walking sticks and you know, just finding the right place. And nowadays, um, we used to hide our TVs in armoires and try to sell an armoire these days. Right. Good luck. Because they're huge and, and they're attractive. So we're not hiding them. So there's, you know, there's audio visual stuff and it's, 
And I, I like that you picked up on that because I'm doing a project now that's very mid-century. And instead of just, you know, sort of rectilinear lined up shelves and drawers, it's it's like a Mondrian composition. Mm-hmm. So, and there's there's open shelves and doors and drawers, but it creates this entire wall that's um, dynamic and works with the furnishings. That, you know, that's one approach. I, you probably saw one on the Upper East Side, it's a massive piece of walnut furniture in a sort of mid-century style. Yes. And, and, and that speaks to another thing. Like if you're, you know, renting, you don't really want to leave your built-ins behind. So, you know, sometimes we do it as a piece of furniture and it's built in a shop, assembled on the site. You can take it with you when you go. I, I was just talking to a friend of mine who bought a house in Italy, and he was shocked when he turned up that there was literally nothing in the kitchen. Yes. Because in Europe, they take their kitchen cabinets and their everything goes with them, mm-hmm. which is, you know, great from a green point of view. You're recycling, <laughs> you know, reusing, re, you know, maybe you repainted another color. So, um yeah, but Can you like, imagine? Moving is so hard as it is. Can you imagine trying to pack up your cabinetry and your appliances too. I mean, whew. it's not like we would do it. Like the mover would, <laughs> but I mean, it's just a whole other complication, you know? True. But, but it was that. But they, I think they feel like someone doesn't want to come in and use their like stuff. Right. Yeah. It's all very modular there. You know, they don't have yeah. a 80 foot long run of cabinets. It's, you know, this piece and that piece and that, and they stick it together and, I mean, it, it creates that, that look that we all love so much, that, that sort of European collected look. Are you talking, um, Barry, are you talking about the State Street project that that built no, in? There, yeah, that, there's that one. I was, I was talking about the Upper East Side one, but that, oh, okay. that one is in a townhouse in Brooklyn. I, I, that that built in blew my mind. And like Caroline said, there are, there were a couple things about it, and I literally took a screen grab and sent it to another listener who was having a dilemma with her upright piano and like where to put it in the house. So you took an upright piano, which we see like random all the time in people's homes and our dilemmas that we get, you know, don't know where to put this and they shove it random places. And you kind of inset it in this niche and had all these built-ins around it and sort of floating shelves. I'm probably not. I'm not describing it, giving it justice, but I'm trying, Barry. I'm trying. Um, <laughs> and then to top it all off, like Caroline said, you took two wood finishes and combined them. So you had sort of a maple finish and then, I don't know, a dark mahogany kind of color. Very, very different, but all together in this one built in. And I just thought it was stunning. Mm-hmm. Talk it out. What were you okay. doing in that brain? <laughs> So that's our townhouse in Brooklyn, and the clients were very, very close friends of mine. In fact, I met them because they used to be our downstairs neighbors in Manhattan. <laughs> and they had this oak piano that was very, they had, it had a sentimental value to them. Not my favorite thing. And, and you're right, putting a, an upright piano anywhere is not, really not easy. <laughs> so I did the hide in plain sight. I, took the piano and featured well that, well, that room is an entire floor of a house and they had um, mm-hmm. teenage kids at the time so that room functions as a living room a dining space with a big table where kids can do their homework or play jigsaw puzzles and there's, an, there's a hearth in that room and it's all open with this floating stair and by um, 
kind of highlighting the piano, I did a whole wall of uh, open sort of gridded cabinetry out of the oak, which is again, not my favorite thing, but then there was a massive wall of uh, walnut. And then at some point the two woods intersect and it ties the functions mm -hmm. together and the roof together. And the piano kind of goes away. But by making a big mm -hmm. deal out of it, we make less of a big deal of it. Mm -hmm. And the finish is, uh, did you refinish the piano to go with the finish of the, oh, it was already that. No, we matched the cabinetry to the piano. Wow. I assumed you had refinished it to, to match, which I also thought was brilliant. But since you just matched well, okay. it. If that's what you think, I'll accept that. Okay. <laughs> but the, well, I love the way you, sorry, I was going to say, I just love the way you joined the two together with this, because like, I think, I feel like if they had all been one finish, both sides of the built-in, the effect would have been lost. But also the concept of combining those two drastically different wood tones together just seemed like it would be such a challenge, but you, you really brought it together in an interesting way with that thin band of the light wood on top of the dark wood. Mm -hmm. I, I, people really got to go look at this. Yeah, go check it out. Thing, mm -hmm. But it was so smart. The other thing I, I really loved about that room, and it made me kind of remember what a challenge a long narrow room is and I bet you face that over and over again in brownstones and townhouses and whatnot in New York City um, and, and how to make it function for so many uses can you talk about that a little bit because that room like you said it had a hearth it has a game table it had living area and like and before you go into that, let me just say you have little descriptions on your site for each of the projects that I found very helpful where you talk about this is what we're trying to do in the space and they eat dinner at this table and they play games here and they had teenagers, just like you just said, very helpful. And it helps someone who's trying to sort of dissect the space, understand how you were um, coming around to figuring it out. So that was an aside, but now get back <laughs> to the room and talk about that challenge and how you kind of tackle that challenge of a difficult space. Well, um, I, I think you can look at that cabinetry as you know I, i'm i do a lot of interiors and not a lot of huge buildings in new york so the frustrated architect in me often will look at a project and think that could be a facade of a building it has all these different elements like the cubbies could almost be windows and so it ties the whole room together and then by putting the sofa at the far end it stops your eye that that's a holly hunt sofa and it so that kind of creates an end point to the room. So, and then the rug ties the seating room together. So that's an implied, it's, it's an implied living room, but it's their living room. And then by putting, instead of, it was narrow to put a seating group in front of the mantle, but by putting the table there instead, that's the all-purpose, everything imaginable table. Mm -hmm. And it was just a small little square table for y'all, if you're wondering. You could, you know, four could eat, you know, compactly at it. It was not a sprawling. No, it's a, it, it's, like, it's a rectangle. But it, you know, oh, it's rectangle. Okay. That's a table I found um, online from a dealer in Miami. You know, that's the other thing. The best part of the internet is we just can source everything we want from all over the world. Right, you know, it used right. to be, we just spend a whole day walking around New York from place to place. And there are <laughs> several items in there we found in Miami because they have the best mid-century. Ah. Mm -hmm. That's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> 
The other thing that um, I noticed, I mean, and obviously because you're kind of talking about rooms that serve lots of functions, but I was wondering about your your take on open floor plans. We've been talking a lot about um, how maybe COVID and shelter in place has sort of shown a light on why this very popular floor plan is maybe not always, you know. It's functional. Yeah, as functional as we initially thought. I don't know. What's your take? Uh, well, we're seeing that in the world of office design because everything became open plan, which is kind of great for the developers. That it's less expensive. You don't have to build offices and rooms and, and furnish them separately. But um, now, post COVID, all the walls are going back up again. And to be honest, nobody liked those offices. You can't have a phone call when someone's next to you in an open... And think about there's 50 people. So that's turning back to more uh, individual offices. And I, I feel like the same thing is happening at home. You know, right now, people are working at home. A lot of couples have two separate jobs. I, you know, there'd be a couple... Somebody is on a Zoom call. Somebody's on headphones. I read there was an article in the Times that these two guys were roommates and one, they had to make their phone calls in the bathroom. Wow. <laughs> oh my and, gosh. And, and kids are doing their schoolwork and mm-hmm. still have to cook and take care of the house and the dogs are running around. So I, I really feel like, you know, rooms are coming back. And I think, <laughs> and I don't want to diss design television, but. Honestly, almost every solution is the same. They start by, oh, let's come in and take all the walls out. Right. And I think if you have a little house that makes, you know, visually that can be really great because everything's open. But functionally, not necessarily. And in some of those shows, you'll see there's like six people living in a small house. And if everything's open, no one, no one can escape from each other. So I, I really think the clock is turning back on, you know, closing up the kitchen and Maybe, you know, if you have a dining room, don't open it up, but maybe open it up with French doors or sliding doors, you know, make make it so you could open it up, but you could mm-hmm. also close it off. So, you know, everyone can have their little space yeah. to get away yep. to. You know, well, the trend over the years is that bathrooms are getting enormous. And my take on that is people want to, that's the only place people can get away. Like you can close. <laughs> Or I mean, your kids won't come in, mm-hmm. and it's become like your new living room. You know, <laughs> everyone's luxurious. <laughs> it has a lock. A lock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's yeah. all part of the same. You know, people need to you know have some privacy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I and I, you know, I, you know, it's not like um, you know there are servants around or anything, but but we, you know. Especially now, and I think it's going to be for a long time, people are going to need space to do things separately. And if, if you can have that space, I wouldn't open everything up anymore. Well, I have a personal pet peeve of having my dining space right at my kitchen. I I can't do it because, well, for my dining room, like if I want to have, like have a bar or something to eat at, a casual meal with my family or whatever. But when I entertain, I don't want my dining table I don't want you to see the kitchen. The kitchen's not tidy 99% of the time after I've just prepared a glamorous dinner party for you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so many new homes that I, you know, I've, I'm 52. My husband is 60 
And so I'm looking around like, maybe I should downsize. Maybe I should look at a townhouse. Every single one is the same open floor plan where you walk in and then there's a living room and a kitchen. I mean, dining room and then the kitchen. And you see it all. And I'm like, I need a little more mystery around the kitchen. <laughs> I don't know. I bring pasta sauce all over the place. Yes. <laughs> there, I mean, and I can't be the only one. No. I agree. But I also don't think people do a lot of uh, like dinner party entertaining as much as they used to. But I still, you must have people over occasionally. Come on. Well, uh, we entertain a lot. Yeah. So. yeah. We but did. The, the other, we did before well, March of right. 2020. Right. One of the um, positives that's come out of the pandemic is that families are eating together at the same time at a table. You know, it used to be, you know, every kid had their own activities and different meals. And and now I I think it's really great that that's the way I grew up. We had dinner together every night at the same time, Mm -hmm. 530, dear God. (laughs) It's pretty early. Yeah, and, and I, and again, you know, you want to have a table you can sit at. Yeah, yeah. And, a, and and not see the sink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you, Karen. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. We had that sort of set up in our old house, and it used to drive me crazy. You do, all right? So talk about small spaces a little bit because you kind of touched on that a moment ago. You know, working in kind of compact spaces in a city, and a lot of your projects are large and beautiful homes, and but some of them, I and mean, quite a few, are, are in the city. And you've really tackled getting a lot of living into those spaces. You know, whether it's banquettes or lots of seating or adjacent rooms. Talk about that a little bit. How how are you making that happen and making those spaces really multifunctional, livable? Um, I think part the first thing you need to do with clients is have them throw away everything they don't need. Smart. So if it's in a box, how long has it been sitting there? You know, mm-hmm. if it's you know a dress size that you're never going to wear again, you should get. It. So, I mean, I you know what we do is really intimate, and I think that's a good you know is it are you storing your grandmother's china for twenty years that you're never going to use? Whatever it is, so. You need to organize and define what you need to store, like what's and what's going to go in the prime real estate. And then every single thing we do needs to be usable. So if you, there's some details on my website where a, a kick space in a kitchen or under a counter, everything is a drawer. So like literally not, no space ever goes to waste. Wait, are you saying under the cabinet, like where the kick plate is, is a drawer? (gasps) Yeah. That is yeah, so smart. I mean, people have, you know, there and there are all kinds of things now. There, uh, you can put a step stool in a drawer in the kitchen. You can put your dog dishes. You can store your platter. You know, mm-hmm. my jaw is like on the floor. I was <laughs> so smart. And it, but it can all, you know, you can do it in your bedroom, wherever. Mm-hmm. And you know, things need to also be accessible. So I love drawers cabinet door you can never find what's in the back of the cabinet right. you know mm-hmm. once you're there you're like life all from 20 years ago you know mm-hmm. and, and every, anything that you're storing so drawers enable you to to see everything and access so i think more things become prime real estate which is mm-hmm. vital and i i love uh led lighting in drawers that's oh. smart in the drawer and thought drawer. about that they open when you open them. They go on. Are these battery ones, Mary? 
Is it battery uh, powered or? They are, yeah, they are. I think you can also get them hardwired. Uh huh. So, you know, again, like organizing every room of the house, but, you mm-hmm. know, the bathroom, find out what they're storing. I was, we're on a job site and we found out that one of the niches, because of what's existing in there, we couldn't make it that deep. And I asked the, the, with the husband's bathroom, you know, is that a problem? Like, cause it's a little narrower than most shampoos. And he's like, I'm bald. I don't <laughs> use <them. laughs> so it. <laughs> but the fact that you're even considering the size of a shampoo bottle, you know, mm-hmm. this is what people don't understand designers are doing. Like it, they're, they're considering every moment of the client's life and how to make it mm-hmm. functional and better and more beautiful. I think it's worth every penny. Welcome to being a young architect story. Mm -hmm. The the last project we did at school was designing an entire city block. So we were in some of the projects were like design a monastery. So we were sort of trained to be masters of the universe and, you know, work on big things, big ideas. And one of the first jobs I had, we were working with Donna Karen on her showroom. And then she asked us to do some work in her daughter's room. So, you know, I'm like this puffed up, just get out of school. And I'm in her daughter's room on my hands and knees, measuring her barber camp, Barbie camper. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> what happened? But that's what we do. We, you know, yeah. we, and, and honestly, if you're a client, you just have to be completely honest. You know, like, you know, we need to know what you need and what's coming down the pipe. and right. going to be changes. And, because we can plan for anything. But the, so the other thing about small spaces is, you know, as an architect, we try to make, to um, like fool the eye to make small spaces look like big spaces. And mm-hmm. like one little tip is overscale the moldings. Okay. So I love like eight inch tall baseboards and big mm-hmm. chunky five inch or whatever um, crown moldings. Because there's something in the brain that makes you think you're in a bigger, taller space. Hmm. And, uh, you know, people, all the contract, are you sure you want to use that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. You know, and there are little tricks, like if you use panel molding in certain ways, it kind of brings the eye up. And mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of drapes, like really simple drapes, because, again, it brings up your eye. It makes the windows more important. It makes your room look finished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And often, if you have, like, the, my first bedroom in New York, which was really, really tiny, and I painted it cobalt blue, like, really, really dark. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, moody and romantic, and you didn't really notice how small it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little a little cave, an envelope for you. Yeah, and people, people love small spaces. Like, years ago, I did a project for a woman who had a huge loft. She had a plant business, and part of it was in part of her apartment and all she wanted me to do was design little spaces to burrow away and be comfortable because people like human scale spaces yeah. no matter how yeah. big your house was uh, another woman had a big house in Greenwich and she said my husband wants to just hide in the corner little did I know from her but <laughs> yeah well you know it yeah. doesn't feel cozy a big right. giant room. You want to? Yeah, you got a nest somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, like the new people, get all excited because your bedroom is huge. But uh, why? You know, uh, 
Agreed. Another pet peeve. You're just going to go put furniture in there that you're going to cover up with clothes. I Right? You're going to just put clothes on it or handbags and shoes. Yeah. And then it's going to look dirty and then, or not dirty, but messy. messy. And then you're going to, it's not going to be this restful. Yeah. yeah, It's nice to have a seating area and maybe you have to have a television, but you know, how much space do you need? You don't need a living room in your bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You know, I, I was starting on a client who built this big house and I did a furniture plan and a list of every piece of furniture that you needed for every room in a budget. And he kept saying, well, why do we need this much stuff? And I said, this is this is on the light side. You don't really understand how big these rooms are. Yeah. And we didn't. Yeah, that's kind of, we were, I was looking at um, something recently and it was just great big houses. But then in order to make those, those rooms that are so large and the ceilings are so high to really make them feel comfortable and I guess I'd hate to say filled, but you have to get these very large, you know, like the lamps are just so big and the, like everything is just extra and lots large. And yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, it's kind of, why not just choose a regular size lamp? You're yeah. like in a hotel. So Barry, why do you think people like big houses like that? Does it oh. feel good? Does it just feel like I've got swagger? Um. Yeah, I think it's kind of an ego thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm successful. My friend mm-hmm. has a big house. I should have a big house. I should have many houses. <laughs> right, <laughs> many um, big houses. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Well, I, I do think there's... Yeah, you, you know, places in different environments. But, I mean... I feel like there's a misconception that, like... Friends of mine, for example, that have young kids and you're in a, you know, you're in a smaller house. I, it's not really that small, but maybe it's not well designed or not well organized and you don't have enough storage built into the house. So then you feel like you're, you have all this stuff and it's really not a, it's really not a space, space issue. It's an organization is, issue. So then they think the space is going to solve that problem when really you could probably get everything you need into that smaller house. You just have to be a lot more thoughtful in the way you're mm-hmm. designing. Need to Marie Kondo it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, let's not go too far. <laughs> <laughs> let's not be upset. There are new times that a, a, a feature years ago on Americans in, in uh, storage facilities, and the numbers are in the billions that what people spend on storing their stuff. That's crazy. Nobody had a clue what was in there, and they never went in to get anything. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's, I don't know how that's become an American thing. Let go. Yeah. Let go. Yeah. Yeah, the, story, the storage <laughs> thing is hard to rationalize. I mean, it's unless you're like, you know, it's really expensive. It's a temporary thing before you move into a bigger house or right. something. I had to do yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I was renovating. I had to put some things in storage. But yeah. it, it very much helps you understand what you don't need. Because when that stuff is gone in storage for six months and you haven't missed it one single bit, you're like, mm-hmm. hmm, yeah. Yeah, maybe I don't need that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the same principles apply in a lot of ways if you're doing a big space or a little space. You're just adjusting your sense of scale and proportion. Mm-hmm. True. 
Well, you also are able to pack a lot of glamour into some of those small spaces. (laughs) Yeah. Raise the eyebrows. How are you doing that? You know, color, finding the right pieces, um, mixing things together, Mm -hmm. things that are antique and new. And and we also, you know, do high-low. So Mm -hmm. if there's some, you know, we're doing some very extravagant sofa, but if I see a little, you know, side table, on it, an auction or something that's a few hundred dollars. If it's you know, if it's good quality and it looks right, and yeah. you know, you'll mix things together. Yeah. And yeah. again, I I don't know if you're referring to that apartment in Greenwich Village that uh, the one that's kind of uh, shades of lavender and pink. Yes, is that the one that had sort of horizontal stripes on the wall, wide that were metallic? Do you want know to talk about? No. Sort of like a, it looks silvery, like a silver. Oh, oh, oh yeah. No, that's a, that's a different house. one. But the, but the one I'm referring to is, uh, the client is an actress and yes. she's very dramatic and glamorous. And we had a lot of fun with her because, you know, we got to pull from our more feminine side. One of mm-hmm. the designers in my office, Nancy, did that with me and, she just was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Something different, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we have leopard carpet in the bedroom, and I, I mean, I think it's all really tasteful. And it's a great apartment. It's in an old McKim Mead and White building, so it has really high ceilings and great moldings. And we rearranged it a, a bit, and um, it it was really really fun. When you say rearranged, do you mean you rearranged the rooms? Like oh, what yeah. rooms yeah, were which? Walk around, yeah. Oh, okay. And, you know, sometimes you need to, you know, you, you can't figure out how to lay something out and you realize, oh, I need to move the door. You know, mm-hmm. people yeah. think that's not a doable thing, but it's not a big deal. Right. And it or, solves everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we added French doors and, and that, Yeah. I mean, you have you always have to go back to square one. So if you're having trouble figuring something out, you think, what was my first assumption? Like, how did I start the process? What was my first assumption that mm-hmm. evolved to other things? And if you hit a stumbling block, go, and I think it's true of most anything, go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, did I have yeah. to make that first decision? What if I try this? And sometimes, you know, the light bulb goes off. That's really true. You know, being open to pivoting. I think, you know, we just think Mm -hmm. the sofa has to go there or the bed has to go there. It's like, wait a minute, pump the brakes. Right. Okay. Well, speaking of looking at pictures and helping people. Uh Is it time to do our dilemma? I think we should do a dilemma. Yes. All right. You want me to this read is, it? This is, this is a space. Yes. This is from Christine. Um, and it's kind of a fun little challenge. So she says, hi, ladies. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and have binged during COVID as I've been updating and tweaking our home. Like many people, Christine and her family have re- recently purchased a getaway house, a mountain cabin in the Smokies. They live in Nashville and they're just going to... Um, Uh, Oh, and she said, we just visited your new store. Oh, well, thanks, Christine. Um, We plan to use the home for a rental and a place to enjoy, a little getaway. So she sent us some real estate photos. Um, So imagine it totally empty. These stuffed animals are not hers. The the house. Okay, wait. And these are not stuffed animals like kid stuffed animals. These are actually stuffed 
Oh, taxidermy. Real, yes, this is yeah. taxidermy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. <laughs> like things. a bobcat. <laughs> yeah. There's a bobcat and like a head with some antlers. You know, it's a real mountain cabin. Christine <laughs> has gone all authentic. So the home is all pine walls throughout. All, like every wall, every ceiling. This whole thing is wood, y'all. And I was thinking of painting the walls of the family slash shared space, leaving the ceiling wood for warmth. The ceiling also opens into a loft area above. Also wood, y'all. Everything's wood. What do you think for a furniture layout in the living room? It's not too large, so it can only up accommodate an apartment-sized sofa and some smaller chairs. I'd also like to paint the kitchen cabinets. Guess what those are, y'all? Wood. Um <laughs> She's <laughs> thinking maybe a dark green or dark tone, not black. Um, and then the stone on the island, she wants to get rid of that. It looks sort of like a, you know, an old um, kind of dated granite. And um, and then she says, what do you think about putting a banquette there for dining as the space is not large and the doors to the patio open out right there on the right side and any other ideas are welcome. So, yeah, it is. I'm just going to describe it. It's an open uh, living room, dining room, kitchen. The kitchen has an L-shaped um, kind of sink with an island that floats out in the room. There's a dining table directly in front of that. And then to the other end of the room is the living room with a stone fireplace. And then there's a stairway that goes upstairs. And did I mention it's all wood? So, <laughs> Barry, hard to- what should she do? <laughs> Okay, well, I'm looking at the photos. Um, one thing that I would remove is the stone around the peninsula in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Looks, um, it doesn't look authentic. It looks kind of, I'm sorry to say this, sort of slapped on yeah. and decorative. Because stone has to have a certain, you know, let's call it credibility, and this is yeah. pretty thin. So I would take that off. I like the idea of... Um, painting the cabinets and definitely change the top and you could create on the other side of it, you know, a a place to pull up bar stools if you extended it. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a lip right now that ends it and just let it go out a little and make a little bar there. Yeah. Real bar. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you use it all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. while you're cooking. Um, And I like the idea of painting the walls. This is so monolithic that in a, it just becomes, uh, it's not that interesting. And I, even if you just painted the wall behind the hearth, because it would not only um, give you some contrast, but it would bring your eye up and make the space feel taller and more exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I, you, I know you didn't ask me, but the drapes need to go. Yeah, these are real estate <laughs> photos. So she's like, hey, yeah. tell me anything that you think, Barry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. These are not her animals, right? You know, I heard new shades or or something that goes to the floor, but this mm-hmm. is like you know half on, half off. They're little shorty curtains for you who cannot see. Yeah, and where um, where were you thinking of a banquette? She was thinking a banquette on the wall directly in front of the island. There's a window there with a table pushed up against it. She was saying, mm-hmm. should I put a little banquette there with a a table? You, you know what I would do? I wouldn't do a built-in banquette, but I might do a long bench, you know, mm-hmm. something really cool. Because I, I think especially in a vacation home, you want it to be as flexible as possible. You know, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. move the table to play games or, you know, whatever. So I, I like the idea of, yeah. you know, moving it out 
so it's not jammed against the wall. Right. And, and the other thing is that, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the black railings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, it's just kind of heavy. So even if it was, I don't know, light gray with a wood rail on top or just something not, this feels a little commercial. Mm-hmm. So you could get a little creative with that. So do you think if she paints her kitchen cabinets, let's just say she paints them dark green. I don't know. She, she mentioned dark green. Uh-huh. Do you think that she should make that wall behind the fireplace the same color? No. 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 Okay. It should be light. Okay. Oh, a light color behind the fireplace. Okay. You know, maybe pull some color out of that stone. There's That's a stone dark. surround around mm-hmm. the fireplace. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my here's my one. I'm going to be contrarian. Okay. And I don't know how contrarian I'm going to be, but I I feel like she should I agree that she should paint some things, but I feel like it's going to be really challenging to figure out what to paint and what not to paint. And I don't feel like she should just unilaterally or like universally paint everything, you know, like you're in a mountain house in the Smokies. Like you do kind of have to preserve some of that like authentically rustic um vibe and i don't hate all the wood i think i hate all of the the other things i just noticed there's a basketball hoop do you hate that there's a basketball hoop on the wall in the living room i don't like the stuffed bobcat i agree i don't like the 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 fake stone but um but but caroline like like barry saying if it's just the one wall which is really kind of the big wall that is when you walk into the right behind the fireplace and the wall extends behind into the kitchen dining area so it'd just be that one long wall it goes up high i mean you're still going to have a ton of wood so here's no, you're right. You're right. I, I feel like I maybe just one section is a good idea. Here's I an idea I think make both of us happy. Don't mm-hmm. use paint. Just use a, um, you know, sand it down and use a clear stain. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's like maybe light, whatever. I'm just saying light, light gray. You know, something. So if you're still getting the wood grain coming through it. It ties together. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes a, a feature and a focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that work for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't dislike the idea of painting one wall. I just no, I like, I feel the like idea her. Of her instinct is like go in there and paint everything white, and I, I don't feel like she should do that. You know, agreed. Um, and you know, I get that pine is not like in vogue right now, but it, it is appropriate for the house you bought. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like she could make a lot of progress with just picking really stylish, well-scaled furniture. And that will do a lot to make it feel updated and comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and great carpet. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And don't go in, in any way kitschy with it. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I feel like if you, if you leave even 50% of that wood as it is, you have checked your, Smoky Mountains rustic box. Like you don't need any more of that in there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and I wouldn't yeah, buy the furniture the same color either. Would you, Barry? Tell from this photograph, but you know, instead of that being a peninsula, maybe if you're going to replace the cabinetry, make it an island that you can move mm-hmm. around. It might be much more functional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it that's would a great. Definitely, idea. be more attractive. You know, turn it around. 
uh, 90 degrees. Right. So it divides the living room from the kitchen as opposed to the dining area from the kitchen. Is that yeah. what you're saying? It's hard, yeah. It's hard to tell, but I, I definitely think I would rethink the peninsula because it already that stone has to go. Right. Yeah. And there are a lot of, I mean, I know Ballard sells some and a lot of retailers do. Like there are some great looking um, freestanding islands sure. that have drawers and shelves. And mm-hmm. so maybe that would be a good way that you can kind of. Right. So there you, know, you could have, that could be a totally different color. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's sort of a little elevate, uh, like up on legs. So it feels lighter mm-hmm. and in uh, the top could be different. It could be almost anything, you know, like stone or porcelain and like this could get a real uplift. Agreed. Yeah. And Barry, do you think, okay, when I, I see people in there now have a table and chairs, they're almost the same exact wood finish as the, all the other wood that the house is built out of. Do you think she should avoid getting furniture that is that wood color or should she embrace it? Uh, I would a hundred percent do something different. Okay, good. Me too. Yay, we're in sync. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she needs as much upholstery, like g- g- as much softness. Yeah. You know, like an upholstered bench no, with a fabric. You know, upholstered chair. Like get mm-hmm. just not wood stuff that's soft. that color. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, even an ottoman. You expect it. It's like yeah. you know, colonial, colonial. <laughs> right. And um, it could be a lot of fun. It's, she has, they have kids, right? Yeah. And if it is a rental place, you probably want to get all performance fabric. So, oh yeah, if she's going to use it as a rental for sure, everything needs to be performance. Christine, do it. I'm excited for her. I am too. Kind of great. Smoky Mountain. Now that we gave free advice, do we get an invitation? Yeah, we get a weekend. Yeah, get one weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. The Smokies are beautiful. Yeah, I love the Smokies. All right. Well, thank you for all of that sage advice, Barry. We appreciate it. And Christine, you're going to have to send us after photos on the VRBO listing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. All right, Barry, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, all that good stuff? I have a website, barrygoralnick.com. It's G-O-R-A-L-N-I-C-K. I'm on Instagram, Barry under slash Facebook, under my name and under Brownick Architecture and Design, this is my professional site. Come visit me. <laughs> you have a china collection, lighting collection, furniture, carpet. Like you, you've got it all. So go check that out on and, his website. And this year, we're going to debut our first plumbing collection for Watermark, and which is fabulous, fantastic because it's all made in Brooklyn which I love. Very cool. And the new uh, carpet collection for Aronson Flooring Empire Collection. And yeah, the Villarain Bach China has been a big success that I'm really excited about. I, you know, every new category I design in, it's, you know, you have a blank page. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, plumbing has, you know, all kinds of technical issues and even China, how it's made and how it's fired and, you know, what shapes we can use. So, I, I love um, just starting in on a new challenge and that part of the, uh, my career has been really rewarding. Good. Always something well, Congratulations. Yeah. Those are very exciting projects. Yeah. Yes. Renaissance man. It was so right. nice to meet you, Barry. Yes. Yeah, this was really a pleasure. Thank you. Both. 
And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast.ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.